0: everybody and welcome back to another episode of the stories on the fly podcast i'm your host austin mitchell and this week we have on micah Kreider. now micah's a guy that i met through instagram uh we both live in the same area and i wanted to get him on because he is one of the few people that is always killing it all times a year with fly fishing especially just different species but especially with trout All year long, you can see pictures of him and his wife just getting monster trout, no matter conditions or seasons. So I knew he had some good stories, but I'll let him get more into it uh, when he's on. Anyway, as always, you can follow me on Instagram at austin.mitchell1. There you'll be able to find links to the show as well as what I've been up to. And if anybody has any guests they would like to hear, uh, let me know on Instagram. There you'll be able to find... There is the best way to contact me is on Instagram. Just message me or leave a comment on any of the pictures if you have any guests that you would like to hear on. Anyway, let's get into it. And we're here with Micah Kreider. Micah, how's it going?
1: Uh, not bad, Austin. Just currently about nine hours into a 12-hour drive, heading uh, heading home to uh, St. Paul. Just spent a week out in the mountains out in Wyoming and uh, Montana. So awesome. I'm excited to get home and in the middle of a long drive right now.
0: Well, maybe you can get into that, but before we get into that, how about you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Yeah, well, my name is Micah. Um, in the middle of my 20s, so, you know, I, uh, I fish a lot. I don't have any kids yet, so um, spend a lot of time fishing. grew up in central Wisconsin. Uh, currently live in St. Paul, Minnesota with my wife, Abigail, and we, uh, we just fish a lot. So um, we started trout fishing on the fly a couple of years ago only, and we got super into it and we fish, uh, fish trout for quite a while and we just recently started to get more and more into the warm water species. So, uh, you know, we enjoy bass and pike and all sorts of different, uh, different species of fish at Target. Um, I fished for muskie as have get to catch one, but uh, that's kind of the next on my plate. I some Saltwater stuff as well. So uh, yeah, we, we uh, enjoy getting out together as a couple and um, yeah, I just love spending time outdoors.
0: So you've only been doing this a few years.
1: Yeah, uh, about just under three years, uh, yeah, I, uh, like I said, I, I hit I hit the ground and I kind of went all in. Yeah, um, I was going to so say,
0: almost, by the but pictures yeah. that go up, it does not seem like it, that's for sure.
1: Well I, well, I appreciate that, yeah. I mean, I've been fishing my whole life, I'm kind of the classic story, you know, started doing fishing when I was a kid, Gear, I was kind of a bass guy, um, and, you know, I live in Minnesota and I, I realized, like, wow, there are trout streams all over the place and I had no idea. Uh, so I started fishing trout with spinning gear and, you know, I had pretty good success and I, you know, I kind of figured, well, you know, if I'm going to fish trout, it makes sense that i try to catch them on a fly rod. So I started doing that a couple of years ago and got pretty addicted to it, like a lot of people have. Uh, I'm definitely not, not the only person that's addicted to fly fishing. I'm sure you and a lot of other listeners can uh, attest to that. So I got really into it and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I go a lot. Uh, I think last year I made it, uh, almost 150 days last wow. year, so I- I live close, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, and and you know, I live pretty close to a lot of stuff, so I'm able to get out quite a bit, and when your wife
0: also enjoys the hobby, it makes it easier to go. Definitely uh, helps.
1: Maybe most people can. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Awesome, man. Well, you said you were on your way back from Yellowstone. How about we hear a little bit about that trip?
1: Yeah, so I've never really been, I, I never did like that out west road trip when I was a kid. Uh, we did a lot of traveling, but more, more to the east coast. Um, so I've, I've never seen a lot of those those places out west So my wife Abigail and I decided earlier this year that we were gonna take a week off in the, at the end of the summer and do a road trip and um, head out to Wyoming. so we uh, like I said we're just finishing up our, our week-long trip uh, started uh, we spent four days in the Jackson area so we camped uh, right on the Grovant River, which is just outside of Jackson Hole um, and we we fished a lot of streams around that area we made it into idaho and we each caught our first uh, mountain cutty so i had, i hadn't caught a couple until this trip because i hadn't really ever been out west um so yeah it was it was awesome jackson is amazing the grand tetons for anyone that's been there can i'm sure can uh attest to the fact that they're very spectacular let's just say that they're uh really really cool to see so you know we enjoyed we enjoyed the fishing we did some hiking out there and the weather was perfect um I'd say the high, I'm kind of a cooler guy. I don't like super hot weather. But, you know, every day the high was right around 70, low wow, humidity, perfect. overnight lows in the mid 40s. So yeah, for tent camping, it was it was amazing.
0: That's and awesome. then uh, after
1: after after four days in Jackson, uh, we went up into Yellowstone. I know it was kind of a crime, but we only spent one night in Yellowstone. We only had five nights, and uh, I really wanted to do some Jackson area stuff this trip of did the Yellowstone, like, crash course, you could say, so kind of saw some of the big attractions, and then um, did a, did a uh, hike into Yellowstone and saw the uh, Lone Star Geyser, which is kind of uh, a little bit off the beaten path geyser, which is really cool, um, and then the second day in Yellowstone, which was yesterday, we uh, did a hike in kind of a fishing uh, fishing day, so I did some research online and found a stream that I wanted to check out when we were there, and it was a, a little bit further of a hike than I realized. About about a three mile one way hike, uh, but we did really well on the cutthroat. Probably the best day of the trip. Um, so definitely worth definitely worth the hike. And then now it's just the uh, fifteen hour drive back home.
0: <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, I guess it's one of those things where if you want to go have fun, it's part of the part of the journey.
1: Uh, right, and it, you know, having having had good success yesterday uh, fishing, it kind of makes the drive a little easier.
0: Definitely. Uh, so I
1: had my for a little while here, I had my wife drive. She's driving now currently too, but uh, I had her drive, and I was editing photos on my computer. I got my camera out and went through a bunch of our pictures, and yeah, it definitely makes the drive home easier when, when you can talk about uh, the success you had the, yeah. the day before.
0: So, how are you fishing? Those throwing streamers, nymphs, dry flies, stuff, all yeah, all of the so, above. Yeah, um,
1: it mostly was all top water stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, so I have a I have a friend that I had met. He lived in Minnesota for a few years, and he now lives out in uh, Victor, Idaho, and works at a fly shop in Jackson. So it was pretty awesome. You kind of have, or I sort of had like a a friend guide, you could say, that kind of pointed me in the right direction. But so when we first got to to Jackson, we stopped at the Snake River Angler, which is right in town. And he, my buddy who works there, just kind of showed me a bunch of the flies that were working. And um, this time of year, it's pretty much all dry flies and foam, Uh, so hoppers, beetles, which is I'm, you know, I'm sure you you fish that before. It's so yep. much fun yep. to, to see to see those fish rise up and eat those those uh, flies on the surface. Um, I'm sure you could nymph, nymph those fish up, too. I'm, I'm sure that would be very effective, but I'm more of a casting kind of guy. I love working streams and casting pockets. And, so,
0: yeah, we pretty much fish foam and dry flies exclusively when we were out there. That's awesome. And I also have never been out there. So how was it getting to the streams? Was there a lot of, like, private water that you had to be careful of or was it pretty much just you know like here in Wisconsin it's pretty much when you're in the water you're good to go but I've heard out west and stuff like that it can get a little messy with private waters and stuff like that so how was that like kind of coordinating waters to fish
1: yeah definitely and I you know I'm no expert on all the rules out there like I said I've spent five or six days out there but from what I understand um, you know, in Wyoming, it is different than Wisconsin, where the landowners do own the bottom of the, of the streams and the rivers. So like in Wisconsin, where you can get in at any public access, which is normally a bridge, right, you can walk through private property as long as you keep your feet wet. Well, in Wyoming, that's, that's not the case, which is, which is a bummer. However, uh, the amount of public land out there in Wyoming is just pretty awesome. Um, you know, when you're in those national forests, pretty much everything not totally everything but pretty much everything is public land so you can most places that we would drive by and think that you know that looks pretty fishy you can fish
0: okay Um, so the
1: rules are a little stricter but the public land is, is very very abundant um you know and just in those national parks you know grand tetons and yellowstone i mean if you look at a map that that encompasses probably about almost a fifth of the whole state of wyoming um so there's there's Ample opportunities to fish, uh, and there's so many streams and rivers out there that we didn't have any problem finding areas. Uh, there was one spot where we wanted to, and we realized it was very clearly marked private land, so we obviously just stayed away from that. But uh, most
0: places we wanted to fish were were uh, perfectly legal to fish. Awesome, yeah. That so it sounds like it's pretty DIY friendly, which is which is nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know the thing that's different about out there is a lot of the uh, of the good rivers are are really large rivers, you know, so, like, right through Jackson or just outside of Jackson is the Snake River, which is a really popular uh, river, and there's drift boats everywhere. You know, that's kind of the cool thing about being out west that I noticed is, you know, however many, like, walleye boats or speed boats you see in Wisconsin or Minnesota, that's how many drift boats you see driving around town out there, so... You know, when I'm in Minnesota, if I see someone drive out with a drift boat, I'm always like, whoa, that guy fly fishing. And, you know, yep. all the time I know who it is. Yep. There's very few of them, right? Yeah. Uh, whereas out there, there's just drift boats everywhere because that's how they fish a lot of those rivers. Um, so it, it, it makes it tough for a wading angler if you want to fish some of those big rivers. I'm sure you can. Uh, we pretty much stuck to the, you know, small to medium size that are pretty easy to wade um, just because, you know, we didn't have a drift boat, and that's the kind of water I'm Know, pretty comfortable fishing and i'm able to even though the, the trout species we were fishing for was different and cutthroat um, you know generally you can read the water similarly to how you would back home so you stuck to a lot of those types of rivers but if you have access to a boat or you know you want to hire a guide there's uh, tons of opportunity to kind of experience fly fishing in a different way out there
0: definitely so one thing that i'm kind of curious about because with me planning my trip to Grand Cayman last year, I had a kind of a, or this year, I guess, I kind of have a, a way that I planned. But for you, how did you plan your trip going out there? Was it like a lot of Google Maps, local knowledge, you know, looking stuff up online? Like, what was your process of kind of eliminating water, picking out water that you liked, and kind of that whole process? Yeah, that, that's a
1: that's a really good question. So, the way I kind of do a lot of my fishing trips, and maybe this is a little bit But, you know, I I like making a network. So I know people, whether they've lived in Minnesota, and I've become friends with them and fish with them um, back home. And usually that's the case. So I'll meet people, and maybe they'll they'll move to a different state. So for for this example, in this trip we were just on, you know, my buddy um, buddy Will, he lived in Minnesota for three years, and I got to know him pretty well. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll I'll pick spots that I want to visit. So obviously, you know, Wyoming is a very popular place to visit. Um, and I knew my buddy lived out there. So a lot of times what I do is I leverage those, those connections, those relationships to try to help, um, you know, help with the whole, you know, where to fish thing. Cause if you, if you go on one of those trips, you know, you, you don't want to spend too much time, you know, fishing water that's not, that's not worth your time. So, you know, what I, what I like to do, like I said, is just meet people that, that, um, live in those cool spots and kind of become friends with them and not necessarily. sure you know you're not just basically walking to their favorite spot and catching the fish that they caught you know the week before yeah but it's more just telling me you know what what regions should i fish are there rivers that i should definitely not bother um and that's that's really what i like to do is is just kind of get that that sort of guidance and then kind of go off and and explore on my own
0: yeah and if you have i guess for yellow if you have like a basic kind of idea of you know like you said they're you know, hoppers and foam. This is the stretch of river that there is, you know, you can kind of figure that out once you get experience enough also, which is nice.
1: Exactly. And and like I said, you know, trout are trout and I know different areas of the country they act differently and the species might be different. But if you're if, if you're a pretty experienced trout fisherman, you know the learning curve is, is shorter when you're when you're able to kind of think, okay, Back home, there'd probably be a trout sitting on you know, on this seam or in this kind of pocket water. And, you know, generally you can you can kind of leverage the knowledge that you have of fishing, even other species. Um, and it, it's fun to do that, right? So it's fun to go to a new area and kind of take the knowledge that you've learned to other spots and try to apply it. And generally there's a learning curve, you know, so it was noticeable when we were out there. With each day, we, we usually found more success than the day prior. You know, so there was a little bit of a learning curve. But just having that information on, you know, the types of flies that are being um, are, are producing and, and the water to fish, really does help help with that learning curve, and you're able to catch fish, you know, right away.
0: That's uh, awesome. and, I, and I will
1: say with 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 Yellowstone, that one was a little bit different. So um, there's a lot of information out there. If you just dig around online, you can find a lot of information on Yellowstone fishing, just because it's such a popular destination. Uh, so that stream, I actually the streaming fish yesterday, um, I, I found on Yellowstone. I just did some reading and. Put a pin drop on my phone about a month ago, probably after I read an article, and um, glad glad that was when we decided to fish.
0: Yeah, so you were mainly targeting cutthroat then when you were out there, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I know there's there's brown trout out there, obviously, and rainbow trout, but um, you know, I catch browns a lot at home, and I, I know they you know they could be different or act different out there, but cutthroat was really what I wanted to try to catch, just because we don't have those back home, yeah. um, and I have yet to catch a mountain a mountain cutthroat. So that that was really what we were targeting uh the whole time, yeah.
0: so did you notice any difference in you know fight the way they acted in between you know midwest browns rainbow stuff like that?
1: um yeah, I mean it's hard to tell i, I the customers seemed to fight pretty hard i and I don't know if that was just me you know being excited and thinking they were fighting harder than some of the fish I've caught back home, but they did really they were feisty, uh so when you looked into them, you know most of the fish. They, they, they didn't like the fact they were hooked, and that made it pretty fun. Uh, we were using 5 weights exclusively, so, you know, when you get a 14 to a, you know, 16, 17-inch cutthroat it on, uh, that, it's a pretty good ride. And most of the time, the, the streams out there uh, are a lot clearer in general than some of the streams I fish back home. So we were using lighter tippet, you know, uh, 3 to 5x generally. So not super light, but lighter than I would typically use uh, on the streams back home. So when you have a, a fish on, you know, 5X tippet, it and it's a 15, 16-inch fish, you know, you got to, it, it makes it makes the fight a little bit more exciting and a little bit more, uh, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, but intimidating, yeah. you could say, because you don't want that fish to break you off. Um, and it's fun, too, because the water's so clear, you can see the fish battling you the whole time, you know, you're, you're looking at it swimming in the water, fighting, fighting against you, which is kind of fun.
0: That's awesome. So what was the biggest fish?
1: The biggest fish was 17 and a half inches, Oof. which I know is it, it isn't a monster, but I, I, that's from
0: what nice I've been fish. told, that's a
1: that, it's, it's a pretty nice cutthroat. Um, so yeah, like I said yesterday, yesterday was definitely the best day. So the first three we fished around the, the Jackson area. We went one day into Idaho um, and caught some fish on a cool stream out there. I just wanted to say I fished in Idaho because I hadn't yet. So we went across the border and fished with my friend Will. Um, but yesterday was in Yellowstone, and we were on our way out. And we like I said, we stopped at that stream that I had um, that I had found on, online and did a pretty long hike in. And when we first got there, the the water that we saw it wasn't it wasn't exactly exciting. It was real shallow. Um, it just didn't look like it would hold very many fish. So we kept kept hiking upstream, and we ended up finding a section that was really, really nice. Um, and we we started with with hoppers, because that's what had been working most of the trip. And we didn't catch anything for a while. And then all of a sudden, my wife, Abigail, we found this hole that was honestly probably like 10 feet deep. I mean, it was big. Um, And we got, you know, we were like, oh, there has to be something in here. And sure enough, within probably a minute or two, she hooked into a a pretty nice cutthroat. And, you know, I ran over there and we netted it. it, That one taped 17. So we were super stoked. We're like, wow, 17-inch cutthroat, final day. It was beautiful fish. And, you know, at that point, the whole day was already made. Um, But we were like, hey, let's just keep going. So we kept going upstream, upstream, and probably about a half an hour later, I was fishing a hopper as well in another, what looked like another really great hole, and all of a sudden, just bang! Like I get hit, and I set the hook, and instantly I know, okay, this is this is another nice one, um, and this fish just starts tearing upstream, and I, I can see it at this point now, and I know it's pretty nice. So uh, my wife was a ways downstream, so I did I did the solo net job. I was just kind of fun, you know, you get that big stretch in there, you lift your arm real high, and keep that fish in the net, and that one taped 17 as well, so we had two 17s already, and we were just, we were pumped, like, okay, each of us has caught, you know, a, a really nice cutthroat, and, you know, we still have a long hike back, should we just call it a day? Well, you know, when you're doing that well, you don't, you don't just stop, right? No. I mean, it was, it was, it was too, it was too good to stop, so we, we worked up to a, a section, a kind of a slower, deeper section. And we saw these cutthroats just kind of sipping on the surface, um, just slowly kind of swimming up to the surface and just kind of slurping. I, I couldn't tell exactly what they were eating, but it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, anything real large. So I I tied on uh, this tiny little dry fly, was about a little size 16, so not super tiny I suppose, but pretty small. And you know did the whole 12 foot leader, 5x kind of deal, and cast it out to these fish, and we were, we started catching them on dry. These weren't huge, but they were probably in that, like, foot range. Um, So we we started noticing, okay, a lot of these fish are are starting to focus on dry flies, uh, which was super fun. So we caught a few fish on drys, kept working upstream, kept working upstream. My wife was maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 yards ahead of me, and she had a dry fly on as well. And all of a sudden, I, I hear this splash, you know, this pretty loud splash, and I look over, and I see her rod just completely bent over, and she has this look on her face like, this is a nice fish. So I kind of run up to her, and this fish is battling her pretty good. And um, we ended up, long story short, we ended up netting that fish as well, and it was another 17. So we were at three 17-inch cutthroat all in separate holes. Oh, my a matter of probably about an hour.
0: That's and this, insane. And this,
1: and this last one that she caught, you know, the first two were on hoppers, which is awesome, right? But it's, it's a little bit more like streamer fishing where you hit the 3X tip it, and You know, it was we weren't too concerned about the whole landing at the part. Yeah. Um uh, but this one was on a you know, five X tippet and a size sixteen dry, you know, just sitting right there in the in the corner of the seventeen uh, inch cup of those mouth. That's a bit uh, nerve wracking. Yeah, but it was it was it was awesome. I mean by far the biggest fish um either of us have ever caught on a dry fly. So that was that was exciting. And then we're in the same hole that she had caught in this fish. And I'm looking around, you know, kinda of closely and there are fish slurping everywhere. I mean there are I, I don't know how many but Everywhere you would look, maybe every 15 seconds, you'd see this cuddy just kind of come up real, real slow and just sip, just sip. And, you, you know, I was noticing this. I was like, wow, this hole is filled with fish and they're feeding. Yeah, I got, it was just like a total feeding fancy. So I was like, okay, let's just wait a few minutes because she had just caught in that pretty nice fish and it caused some kind of ruckus in the water. Let's just wait a few minutes and let's fish this hole some more because this, this is a, uh, this is one we definitely don't want. to just pass by. So... She was ecstatic. Obviously, she had caught her second 17-inch cutty in a matter of probably an hour and a half. So she was just going to hang out. She got the camera out because she knew that, you know, there was probably going to be another fish caught here soon. And I took over. And, you know, I'm kind of looking around, and I see this, this cutty come up and slurp. And I knew I knew it was a pretty nice fish because I could I could just tell by the way it, it came up to the surface. And I so I spotted a fish probably about, I don't know, 30, 40 feet out come up and slurp. So I, I casted my, that same dry, and thankfully I was actually able to do a decent cast and put it within a foot or two of where that fish had slurped, you know, 15 seconds before. And it, it wasn't probably three or four seconds, and this thing came right back up and just <laughs> kind of just, just slurped it. You know, not not a hard hit. Um, you know, the dry fly fishing I do a lot back home with the smaller browns, you know, they come up and it's just kind of a vicious just splash, yeah. you know, where, and you instantly know like that fish hit my dry. It was just that this wasn't bad at all. It was almost... You had to almost see it because it was such a such a, a an easy eat you know he
0: just kind of slammed up opened his mouth almost like a like a carp would you know when they're sucking on the surface
1: oh, of the water. okay yeah and just, and just kind of gradually grabbed the fly and when I saw him grab it you know I set the hook and he was on and I was like you know started fighting it and then I, I realized okay like, hey, this is the one I saw just five seconds ago and it's not small so, you know, I fought that one for a while and netted that one, and that one taped 17 and a half. So, yeah. so we had caught four 17-plus-inch cutthroat in a matter of about two hours, and these fish are just beautiful I mean, yeah. The colors on them are, are fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we we, I'm sure there are other people out there that have done just that well or better, but, you know, for us, that was, that was super exciting to catch, you know, four really nice cutties that... Um, you know, like I said before, that trip we had never caught in a mountain cutthroat, and oh, for sure. to catch those 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 four nice ones on the very final day, and you know, even even more exciting on dry flies, was, yeah, was pretty awesome. I mean, a 17
0: so. inch trout, really, most places, especially here in the Midwest, is a nice trout, and for you, yeah. you know, your first you know cutthroats ever on dry flies, like that is, those are fish, like those are fish to definitely remember.
1: Right. Yeah. It was. It was a. It was a really, really good day. Um. You know, and part of it's just being at the right place at the right time. You know, that that's really what a lot of it is. Is, you know, we had fished hours before that without any, without even hardly seeing a fish, and then you know, all of a sudden, it's it's really just paying attention to your surroundings. You know, so when you start seeing those fish slurping, you know, uh, someone that hasn't fished much may not have even realized it because it was just such a gradual eat, right, on all these, these different trout. So it's really just kind of paying attention, kind of seeing what they were. But they were focusing on maybe changing flies a few times but yeah it was definitely a memorable day and uh yeah super super exciting for sure
0: well get those pictures up we gotta see them now yeah
1: uh, yeah i definitely i i edited them all uh in the car about a couple hours ago so there'll be pictures to come but awesome yeah super beautiful super beautiful fish and uh yeah it was definitely a memorable day uh the hike out the hike out was definitely uh easier with those fish on our mind than it would have been without because we we, we didn't really realize how far we had gone you know i'm sure you, you know how that goes where you start fishing and you just keep working upstream and the next hole looks good and the next hole looks yep. good before you know it you realize wow i've gone a long way so it was yep. about an hour and a half hike back to the, to the truck but it was definitely worth it
0: oh yeah um, it, makes, keep it those fish keep, make oh, that sorry. boat ride a little bit easier that walk or that whatever back a yeah. little bit easier
1: Right. Otherwise, there might not have been much talking. But we, we we chatted quite a bit on the way home after that one. Um, but another thing that you know, we, had, we kept on our mind. We couldn't get too comfortable because we're in grizzly bear country, obviously. Oh, I hey, didn't think about yeah. that. Yeah. So you know, in the list, you don't even think about those things. Yeah. You know, you're, the, the the worst thing you're going to come up on is like you know maybe uh the the freakiest things I've had co- happen in the driftless while walking is either kicking up a pheasant. And you don't realize it's right in front of you, which isn't going to hurt you, right? It just scares you. Yep. Or when you're wading in the water and like there's like a beaver next to you and it slaps its tail or something, (laughs) like those are the freaky things, but they're not going to hurt you. Yeah. Whereas you know when you're on when you're on Yellowstone, uh, there are things out there that will kill you, so you got to (sighs) be.
0: I didn't even think about that.
1: Uh, Yeah, so we, I mean, we were smart enough to, you know, we had the bear spray, and you know, we were, we were, we, we knew that we had to be careful, but you know, the the other spots that we had fished earlier in the week. Uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't like they were super crowded, but, but you know, there were there were people around, and you'd see other anglers. Whereas this spot we were fishing yesterday, you know, there was hardly anyone out there. When we fished, we didn't see more than maybe a uh, two or three other groups, of two within you know five or six hours. Oh wow! And we hiked out of it. We hiked out of the river, and we probably went through about a half a mile of just forest. You know, we climbed up these rocks, and we went up to high ground to see where the trail was that we had been on hours before. and yeah, you know, so we're kind of walking through this dense forest and looking over my shoulder a lot. And, uh, <laughs> played some, played some music on my phone real loud because I guess you know the more noise you make, the, the more uh, or the less likely you'll run into a bear. They'll stay away from you. So yeah, we were talking really loud and playing music and just kind of you know, it, was, it was a little exhilarating.
0: But yeah, definitely, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that would be that would be an exciting part of the walk.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a. Uh, we were hoping to see a bear on the trip, just not while we were fishing.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, didn't end up, we
1: didn't end up seeing one, but on the way back, we did walk right past a big bison, which is kind of cool. You know, you don't you don't see a uh, grazing bison in the middle of the driftless very often.
0: No, but, not very you know,
1: often. They were, they were, they were cool. They were cool animals, and we saw like a badger or something on the trail right in front of us for a while. And earlier in the trip, we, yeah, it was it was good.
0: That's sweet awesome man well is there anything else you want to cover or any other stories you want i mean i think we covered that pretty good if uh, you want to tell any other stories just in general or we're sitting pretty good actually whatever you want
1: i I got i got one more i have one more short story from earlier this year that i I could uh that i could tell you it's one of my my favorite uh fishing stories to date perfect um so when i had when i had said earlier in the podcast that uh these were the first mountain cutthroat I had ever caught. Uh, I made sure to kind of stress the the mountain cutthroat piece because uh, earlier this year, my wife and I, we took a trip out to Washington, so we stayed in Seattle. Uh, again, a, a buddy of mine, Connor, that I had met here, and he had moved out to Washington. So leveraging those connections again, we went out to Seattle back in June and did some fishing uh, in the Cascades, and we floated on the Yakima for, for a day. Um, but the final the final day of our trip, we had a flight leaving for Minneapolis uh, at noon local time, and I really had wanted to try to catch a sea-run cutthroat. Um, so that is, you know, what it sounds like. It's cutthroat. That they're born in the in the rivers um, in the Pacific Northwest, and kind of like a steelhead, right? They they migrate out to the ocean, and for whatever reason, I'm not an expert on them, but they they come back into the rivers and they kind of hang out in the Puget Sound area and off the coast. Of the Pacific Northwest, and they're only you can only find them in that area. So I think Northern California up to Alaska, I believe, is where you can find these natives, like basically saltwater cutthroat, and that's kind of like the 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 fish you really want to catch when you go out there. You know, it's 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 kind of a prized fish, you could say. So I wanted to to take a shot at one, and I knew that you know the odds of catching one aren't great. The the numbers aren't aren't awesome, and you kind of have to have things fall your way to catch one. But it is possible. Uh, so the, the last morning of our trip in Washington, uh, we tr- we woke up super early at probably like four o'clock. Got all of our uh, stuff packed in our suitcases because we weren't going to be back to the house. We were going straight to the airport from the water, and we drove about an hour and a half um, over to a, a bay in the Olympic. Uh, sorry, in the Puget Sound, um, and we did a hike down into the water. And the tides were supposed to be in our favor, so it was supposed to be a, either an outgoing or an, an incoming tide, but Either way for these um, coastal cutties, you want some moving water. Because I guess that's, my, my buddy said, that, that's, that's ideal is that moving water, some of that current, and that's where you'll find a lot of these coasters. And we get there, and the, the tide is non-existent. It's a, a slack tide, and it's the lowest uh, my buddy had ever seen. And wow. so instantly we were just kind of bummed. We are like, wow, we, you know, we came out here hoping to maybe get a cuddy and it looks like the water is exactly what you don't want it to look like. Uh, but, you know, we're there, and we're going to try anyway. So we had six weights for those and some little streamers that he had tied up. And basically what you do is you just walk out to, I don't know, let's say your thigh, and you just start bombing past, but as far as you can out into the open water. And it's salt water too, so, um, you know, which makes it kind of kind of cool. It's like a giant saltwater lake, almost the Puget Sound. And we fish for, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours, and just nothing. And, you know, it's getting to the point now where you're kind of starting to realize this this isn't going to happen, you know. It's, it's, we had a great trip, so it wasn't like it was, you know, uh, ruining anything. But uh, it was just kind of a, a, a bummer to end on that note. But you know, I, I'm I'm an addict like like you and a lot of other people are, so I'm going to cast until I until I have to leave. So with with legitimately about 20 minutes left before we had to take off for the Seattle airport, you know, I'm cast and cast and kind of going into what I call the you know robot mode where you're casting but you're not really super focused, but you're you're still paying attention to what's going on, but you're kind of um, to the point where you're thinking that results probably aren't going to happen, and out of nowhere, I just feel this giant just tug on my rod, and so I, out of instinct, set the hook, and I have a fish on And I, I, I don't know what it is, because out there it could be really anything, but I know that there's a fish, and it's on the end of my line, and it's tugging pretty hard, and uh, we only had one net with the group, and it was with my buddy Connor, and he, at the time, was up on shore which because the tide was so low was probably about 100 yards away maybe not quite but close and he had the net with him and i'm sitting here with the fish on and i'm yelling connor connor like i have a fish and he looks over and sees it wow he actually does have a fish on so <laughs> he was actually he was actually in the middle of taking care of uh, some business so he uh he, ho- he hoists his waders up doesn't even get a chance to buckle them and he just comes at a full-on at a full-on sprint like i've never seen anyone run this fast in waders and it was across, you know, like a muddy, kind of rocky terrain where the water is and the tide is high. And he's running at a full sprint carrying his net. And he gets up to me, and the fish at this point is probably, I don't know, 15 feet away. I'm getting it pretty close. And it makes a couple last runs, and he nets it for me. And he looks into the net, and he just yells, Cuddy! And I just start freaking out, because it was like, it was what I had came for, right? And, uh, we exchanged a pretty aggressive high five and some fist pumps and um yeah so that that was that was really awesome it was a sea run cutthroat so what i had hoped to catch and the cool thing was it even still had a, a little sea lice on its back like
0: oh, it was fresh that's from the awesome
1: ocean. and yeah it wasn't super big but it was it was about i think 15 or 16 inches so you know a respectable size fish oh yeah and uh yeah so that was that was phenomenal we got some cool pictures of that and um uh, let her go back into the water and uh realized that we were short on time so packed up our stuff and hiked really fast back to the truck and then there was construction on the way to seattle of course so <laughs> we get to the airport and we basically just like get grabbed our stuff and ran inside and we caught our plane by i don't know about 15 or 20 minutes so we, oh. we made it um, but that was that was yeah that was a uh, that was a pretty exciting exciting time that, earlier this year was that yeah. that C run
0: cutty Oh, the last minute, so, just last day, just throwing yeah. everything out there. That is awesome. Right.
1: I call it the fourth quarter. You oh, know? yeah. when you know your time's coming down, you just gotta you gotta, you gotta perform well in the fourth quarter and thankfully that, that time I did. Other times it uh, doesn't work out that way, but that <laughs> no, was a pretty, pretty it, special time.
0: It doesn't always, but when it does though, man, can it it can save not even a day but a whole trip it seems like. Even though you know you had a good trip, yeah. man. One of those fish right. in the last time can just set it off. I know that's how it was when I went to Grand Cayman last day. I got my own bonefish on like by myself yes. and it you know, it would have been a perfect trip, but that last fish was just the one that all right, we're good to go. Like I'm I'm good. So I know how you felt when you yeah. got that one. It's like Exactly. That book closed yeah, and you're pic- good I've to go.
1: Yep. Awesome. I you should give you should give me the quick like uh couple minutes uh, recap of that because I've seen that picture of that bonefish that I guess I haven't talked to you about. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, I can do that quick. So, went to Grand Cayman in March. um First day, not too much, kind of just walked around. The second day, I went out with a guide for like six hours. um He got me on, I got two with him that day. um Really fun fish. Had a bunch of different shots at other fish, broke off on a couple, lost a couple. Um. So, but, you,
1: were you waiting? Or were you yeah. A boat?
0: Yep. So it's all the waiting? cool. Okay. Th- the cool thing about Grand Cayman is, um, all the beaches are public. So wherever you can get oh, really? okay. get to the water, it's public. There is no private beaches or anything. You just have to make sure you're getting to the water, on a public, you know, a public beach or wherever. So anywhere you can walk around, you can fish basically. Um. And the cool thing about there is, too, is it's all catch and release, and you don't need a license to fish, so you go wow. hop in the water, and you're good to go like don't need to pay for license, don't need to worry about that as long as you're releasing what you catch, you're fine so huh. yeah it's it's a really cool place. we're actually going back in December, so um huh. that's awesome, yeah, but so kind of fished um caught caught two with Joel that second day which was awesome, Um, but uh, the weather was like terrible for the rest. That was on Monday and we were leaving on Saturday. So Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday it was blowing about 25 to 35 that entire week. Um, Yeah, that's that's a pretty strong wind. Yeah, everything was just you know mucked up or whatever. So that last day I went out in the morning didn't see very much And, um, I had a couple of spots that I had found that, um, you, I was seeing fish every single day, but they were, um, really public areas, so they were super spooky. So I wasn't able to get to them, so I, that afternoon, I'm like, I'm either going to go up there and kind of just go for it kind of thing and hope to catch one, or I'm going to find another place. So I actually hit up Joel, my guide, who I went out on Monday. I'm like, hey, it's my last day, it's my last afternoon, like, can you help me out? Like, is there a spot that I can go to to see them, or at least, you know, something not as public as this beach that I was going to? And he's like, yeah, go here. They're going to be super shallow, but they'll be there. I'm like, okay, Okay. sounds good. So I went to this beach, and I walk, it was like a, I can remember it, because I walked over the sand dune, looked down, and they're in... Four inches of water, um, maybe. Four inches on there. Yeah, like maybe two, wow. maybe two feet off the beach. Like there, there's oh, wow. you know ten, fifteen fish cruising up and down the beach. Like there, just like he said. So I'm like, okay, sweet. So, yeah, I was basically, I hooked probably a dozen before I landed that one. But really? it was yeah, okay. yep, yeah, and it was just you would see them. They would be cruising the beach. You would literally kind of step... You would get up away from them, run ahead of them, get a cast, strip, 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 hit oh. them. The whole group would yep. go screaming off. I'd lose them. And then you'd see them going so, the other so way.
1: when you lose them, was, when you would lose them was it just, were they just spit the hook somehow? Yeah, yeah.
0: Or, or? So it's super... From my limited knowledge, it was super weird how you would... So basically, you would have them hit and you couldn't, you couldn't trout set them obviously, but you couldn't strip set them either because you would actually pull the hook right out of their mouth. So it was almost like you would, you would strip like you were just fishing and let them run and just kind of hold tension. And that's what would set the hook. So it was, it was, that was the biggest learning curve was when they would hit the proper set because like, I'm so used to like strip setting, like you hit them. And here, if you hit them too hard, you would literally just pull the hook right out of their mouth because they would just take off so fast. They would either break off or it would just pull the hook right out. So that was the biggest thing. So after about 10, I finally was just real gentle, got them hooked, took off, you know, got them back, got a picture, let them go. And like you said, that last cutthroat, I was like, okay, sweet, like, we're good to go because <laughs> i was already yeah. running out of time so yep that was that one right. that was the one Great where yeah so yeah that was definitely an exciting fish sounds
1: like it yeah i haven't i haven't caught
0: a bonefish yet but it's on my list yeah sure. yeah I i mean personally like like me and my wife are going back down there in december just because it's such an awesome place it's Real, yeah it's definitely there's enough information out there to you know to find them and it's it's super easy and the island itself too is awesome because it's um you can just go wherever like there isn't any you know some of those you know islands down south you have to be careful where you go and stuff like that you know even mexico and stuff like that but grand cayman you, you go wherever. Like, there isn't any place where... It's all resorts, basically, the entire way around the island. So it's a really awesome place. I'm going to
1: have to talk to you more about that sometime and get some details. Maybe uh, I'll find myself there someday. Yeah, Get my yeah. first ball fish.
0: Well, let's go... <laughs> hey, book a, book a plane ticket in December. We got room. All uh,
1: right, all right. let's we'll, we'll
0: talk about that. Oh, all right, all right. I, well, we might have to talk about this <laughs> off the podcast a little bit more because right, yeah, I would right. be... yeah we'll talk details a little well, bit <laughs> all
1: right all right i like that awesome like
0: that. man well do you want to throw out any plugs or anything instagram websites where people can reach you stuff yeah, like that i
1: mean yeah if, if people are interested in seeing any of my mrs pictures our, our instagram names are pretty straightforward so it's literally just our names uh mine's micah crider c-r-i-e-e-r and hers is abigail Kreider. um and we you know we fish quite a bit and we post pictures and uh, yeah it's, it's fun for us just to kind of show show some of the places we go and some of the fish we catch so if anyone's interested that's where you can find us uh, and then we also dabble with a little bit of writing so we have a blog uh, it's called the Driftless Flyer uh, F-L-Y-E-R and that's just where we, we do you know sh- kind of short synopsis of some of our, our outings you know usually five minute reads or so with, with a few photos and uh, it's just kind of a, a way for us to, to express our, our creative sides uh, with, with the writing so yeah, it's, it's fun,
0: and, you know, some people enjoy reading them, so if you guys, uh, anyone's interested, that's where you can find some of our stuff. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, it was
0: fun talking. Definitely. And that was Micah Kreider. Thanks again to Micah for coming on, and like we said at the end, go check out their website and go check out his Instagram. If you're into fish pictures, especially trout, he is the guy to follow. They, Him and his wife are always killing it out there, always catching fish, big fish. So if you're into trout pictures, go check him out. As always, you can find me on Instagram at austin.mitchell1. There you'll be able to find links to the show as well as what I've been up to. And also, if you're interested in buying flies, I'm still selling muskie, smallmouth, largemouth flies, stuff like that. So... Let me know on Instagram. That's going to be the easiest place to find them. Thanks again for listening.